sermon number 614, Be Careful What You Think, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, July 30, 1972. The text is Matthew, the 12th chapter, verses 43 through 45. Women's Chorus, our compliments, we bow before you. I've never quite heard the prophet Elijah interpreted with such a definite beat, but uh, that was very beautiful. Matthew, the 12th chapter, verses 43 through 45. Jesus said, when an evil spirit goes out of a man, it travels over dry country looking for a place to rest. If it can't find such a place, it says to itself, I will go back to my house which I left. So it goes back and finds it empty, clean, and all fixed up. Then it goes out and brings along seven other spirits, even worse than itself, and they come and live there. So that man is in worse shape when it's all over than he was at the beginning. This is the way it will happen to the evil people of this day. Yes, every day, individually, we are coming to a place where we are more or we are becoming less the people or persons that God created us to become. This means that today, you and me, individually, we are either closer or we are further away from the divine image which God created us to become and intended us to become when he placed us on this earth. And the factor which determines which way you and I are going either closer or further away, in each one of us is located about one quarter of an inch above the eyebrow in what we call our thinking process. As a man thinks, so he is. And it does matter what we think. Because what we think patterns our actions, and our actions determine to a large extent what we are becoming, either more like the person that God would have us to be when he created us, or something far less than the joyous, happy, complete 
fulfilled human beings he wants you and me to be. Retrace with me, if you will, the traveled route of some evil act, and you will find that before that particular act became an action, it first was conceived as a thought in the mind or in the thinking process. That's where all sins begin, back with the conception of a little teeny weeny idea or thought in the mind. That's always the first step. And if an individual allows himself to live with, at any length of time with that conceived idea, it will not be too long until he takes the second step and comes in his travel to that place that I call the intersection of contemplation. And he begins to stop and to think I wonder what that idea would feel like if it became a deed. I just wonder what would happen if I tried it just once. If an individual spends too much time at the intersection of contemplation, when you follow intricately the travel of some idea becoming an act, you will find that the third stage of travel is when that idea travels down through the little hamlet and village of consent, and where the individual finds himself just as once. I will try that particular idea. Perhaps I've been too old-fashioned, too inhibited. Just once. I'll see what it is like. And when he says that, it's not too long until he passes out of the village of consent and on his travels he eventually comes to the destination which is always the city of commitment. And what was once just a little bit of an idea evolves as a full-blown live flesh and blood act or incarnate action. You get the process? Conception of an idea, then contemplation about that idea, then consent to that idea, and then commitment of that idea and the idea becomes flesh and a reality. Now anyone who understands this simple process and dynamic of how an evil idea eventually becomes an evil deed knows that it is important and he must be careful how he thinks. Because what he thinks now will eventually become his action of the future, 
and his actions of the future will determine the destiny of what he shall become. But the difficult part is not in realizing that you have to be careful what you think, but rather how can one be careful to keep these particular evil thoughts from becoming evil deeds? How do you do it? Well, several suggestions have been given by many people throughout the ages. And first of all, there are those people who say the best way to keep an evil idea from becoming an evil act is to never allow the evil thought to enter your mind the first time. Now, that seems like very good advice. While we are sitting in church, that seems like very good religious advice. But there's only one thing wrong with it. It won't work. It won't work because we are hopeless and helpless in trying to stop ideas from coming into your mind. You know. Just make up your mind that you're going to stop some idea from entering your mind and you will find that it enters your mind and stays there more than if you would have never thought about it in the first place. This is what happens. Nobody, and I mean nobody, has the power to prohibit ideas from entering his mind. Shut the mouth. Stop the ears, close the eyes, still evil thoughts will come into your mind. What's more than that? Ask the blind man, the deaf man, the dumb man, and he will tell you that he is constantly tempted with the tortures of evil thoughts. There's just something about this creature that we call me that has the ability to think thoughts and we are not always able ever to control the evil thoughts that come into our minds. I don't care how many times you attend church, read your Bibles and pray, those evil thoughts will come to you. I've even known people who have had their most evil thoughts while sitting in church at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. So it happens. So to say, I will not allow any evil thought to come in my mind sounds like good advice. It's not, because it will not work. Secondly, there are those individuals who say, all right. Since these evil thoughts are uncontrollable as far as coming into my mind, once they get in there, though, I can manage them. And I will take these evil thoughts after they enter my mind in my thinking process, and I will cast them out. I will throw them away. I will sweep clean my mind every day or after every evil thought. But if you do nothing more than that and just spend your time in sweeping clean your mind, 
Well, I'm not sure that that will work. If you are one of those strong, courageous, disciplined individuals who says that I shall not allow such an evil thought to continue in my mind, even though I have not the power to stop its conception, I shall at least prohibit it from moving on to that intersection of contemplation. I shall not go with it into the valley and village of consent. I shall not allow it to come to the city of commitment. I shall cast it out and sweep clean my mind. Well, no less of an authority than Jesus Christ says, even that will not work. Even that particular procedure will not keep your mind from thinking evil thoughts and leading those thoughts to evil deeds. Jesus said in this passage which we read this morning, which is very brief and which to my amazement many people don't even know it's there in the Gospels. Jesus says that if you just sweep clean your mind, cast out the evil spirit, if you do nothing more, that spirit, or worse yet, seven who are even more deadlier, they shall come back to haunt that particular mind that has been only swept clean and from which the evil spirit has been cast, and the last state of the man will be worse than the first. Jesus is trying to tell us it does no good just to try and clear your mind of evil thoughts and to sweep those thoughts out of your thinking. It's just like trying to weed the garden. Now, I'm not much of a farmer, but if I go out to my petunia patch, and if I try to take out the weeds, I can dig, and I can hoe, and I can clear the whole area, which isn't much bigger than that. But if I do nothing else, and merely leave that area clean and swept, it will be only a matter of time until a brand new crop of abundant weeds are back there in that spot. There's only one way to get rid of weeds, and that's by planting good seed. And you plant enough seed in the ground, good seed, so that it crowds out any of the evil weeds. Now, human nature is like mother nature. Both abhor a vacuum. Neither can stand for any emptiness. And if good seed is not planted, weeds will grow. That's a principle of life. And it's the same in our thinking process. The only way that you can rid once and for all the evil thoughts in the mind It involves planting good seeds in the form of good thoughts in the mind. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, it may sound rather strange 
and at first completely wrong. But if they understand Jesus correctly, he is trying to say to us, don't worry too much about the evil thoughts that you have. Don't concern yourself too much with the evil ideas that have been conceived in your mind. Don't concentrate on the evil thoughts that plague you day and night. Instead, forget about them. Forget about them. Cast them out and concentrate, think, and meditate on those good things in life that you know about. Think about those things that are true and honorable, those things that are just and pure and good and lovely and of good report and of excellence. And with the Apostle Paul say, think on these things and the power of God will give you peace. The only way that you really cast out once and for all an evil thought is by beating it out with a good thought and allowing the good thoughts to be so numerous and plenty, plenteous in your life that there is no room for the evil thoughts to live. Remember, remember the story that the Greeks have been telling us for centuries about Ulysses, who on a memorable voyage was tempted with the sweet sayings of the siren, which if he followed them and he was sorely tempted to do so, it would lead to certain death for himself and his ship. Now, trying to avoid such a fate, yet desiring to hear that sweet singing, he had the sailors on the ship stuff their ears with wax, and he ordered himself tied to the mast of the ship. And this way, as they sailed through the danger zone, they were able to sail safely without being lured to the destruction of the singing sirens. Now on the ship that carried Orpheus, Orpheus the one who was known for his powerful and his beautiful singing, a better method was found, but on that ship whose sailors were tempted with the sweet, seductive singing of the sirens. Orpheus sang so much louder and so much more the beautiful that the temptation of the sirens was not there because it could not be heard. And folks, when you understand that simple idea, you know then what the Bible is talking about when it says that you overcome evil only one way. You overcome evil with good. And the only way that you are able to beat down and cast out once and for all the evil thoughts that will come into your mind today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your lives 
is by having the mind so full of good thoughts that there's no room in the inn for the evil thoughts. You get these good thoughts from daily readings of the Bible. From becoming not just readers but students of Holy Scripture by trying to apply in everyday life some of the things that you do here and you understand from the preaching of the church. By not worrying so much about that which you do not understand, but by believing and counting on those ideas and concepts of Jesus which you do understand. By feeding your mind always, every day, every hour of every day, with the knowledge that you, because of your belief in Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done, you are a part of his body. You are a Christian. An individual once went to visit back in the 16th century the famous reformer Martin Luther. He wasn't quite sure where the great man lived, but coming to a house which he thought was where Martin resided, he knocked at the door. First, there was no answer. He knocked a second time, and this time he called out, Does Martin Luther live here? A voice came back, No. Martin Luther used to live here, but Jesus Christ lives here now. Now such a story sounds rather sickly, humorous, and very sacrilegious. But ladies and gentlemen, this is the way it should be for you and for me. You see, Luther believed, as did Paul, that it was no longer he who was living, but Jesus Christ living in him. It is no longer I who liveth, but Christ who liveth in me. Oh, how much better this world would be and how much closer you and I would come in finding happiness and joy and completion and the individual persons that God would have us to be if we could remember always that because we believe Jesus Christ is alive in you and in me. 
The Jesus Christ who was born in Bethlehem of Judea, who walked the streets of Jerusalem, who traveled the paths of ancient Israel. The Jesus Christ who never did harm to himself nor to anyone else, only good. The Jesus who died for other people. The Jesus who was resurrected on Easter morn. That Jesus, by the power of his Holy Spirit, is alive in you and in me. And when we think about that truth, then we are being careful what we think. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, through your word, you teach us that the Spirit is saying to all of us in the churches today, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come unto him and sup with him and he with me. O Lord, if we know not that word in our lives, Help us to know it. But if we have opened the doors and know that word is alive in our hearts and in our minds, O oh Holy Spirit, help us never to forget it. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you in your hearts and in your minds forever and ever. Amen.